Hey guys, Stephen Box, host of the Unshakable Habits podcast here, bringing you a couple of quick updates on the podcast. So number one, in the next few days, you guys are going to be seeing multiple episodes get released at once. We're talking maybe seven or eight different episodes, and I just wanted to give you a heads up about it. Don't be surprised when you see it coming. And the reason we're doing this is... We are changing the format of the show, and these episodes, while they are great, while the, ep- while the information in them is absolutely fantastic, they just didn't quite fit the new formatting. So I wanted to go ahead and still get those out so you guys have an opportunity to listen to them. And then in the next few weeks, we're going to be relaunching the podcast with a brand new focus and a brand new format. Now, it's still Unshakable Habits. We're still going to be focused on habits. We're still going to be focused on routines. But specifically, we're going to be talking about habits and routines that are going to help you create wins for your health, mindset, relationships, faith, and career. And we're going to be doing both solo episodes as well as guest episodes, but rather than one long episode, we're going to be breaking them up and we're going to do multiple episodes per week. And each episode is going to be about 10 to 20 minutes long. And it's going to be really focused on one specific topic where we can deep dive into that topic and give you guys actionable steps that you can take with you that day. So that is the big change that we have coming up for the podcast. And I just wanted you to be aware of it. And I look forward to hearing your feedback on it. You can, of course, always connect with me on social media at Unshakable Habits. It's going to be my handle in most places. And I would just love to hear you guys' feedback on the new format as it comes out. So with that, guys, allow me to remind you, as always, that while none of us are born unshakable, we can all become unshakable. Welcome to the Unshakable Habits Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Box. Have you ever found yourself not taking action out of fear? Have you ever had that inner voice tell you you're not good enough, that your ideas are stupid, that you're going to look ridiculous if you do this. Well, this week's episode is going to be for you, but this week's episode was also for me. Allow me to explain. You see, I recorded this interview with my guest Fletcher about a year and a half ago. Between the changes to the podcast, the change to my focus and my business on really helping men I had some things slip through the cracks. Now, I don't like to admit that, but it's the truth. And one of those things was this episode. It somehow got buried into a folder, and I just realized a couple weeks ago that it never got published. And my first thought was, oh, I should totally go publish this, because why not? But as soon as I said that, the thoughts started coming in. This is like a year and a half old. It's going to be kind of awkward to reach out and say, Hey, Fletcher, guess what? I know we recorded our interview a year and a half ago, but I'm finally getting around to publishing it. And it was awkward, but I still did it, right? And I started thinking about, well, what if Fletcher doesn't still agree with the things that he said? What if I don't agree with the things that I said? What if my production value has improved so much that 
people laugh at how bad the video quality is, which by the way, you might, because I was like, man, did I not have lights back then? I mean, if you guys are watching on YouTube, you know what I'm talking about when you get ready to see the, uh, the interview portion of this video. But you know what? None of that mattered. Because at the end of the day, what I had to convince myself of was it was value in this interview. And the reason I know that is because I decided to go back and listen to the interview myself. And I got to tell you guys, after listening to Fletcher, listening to our conversation, I knew I had to let go of all my concerns. I had to let go of my fears. I had to let go of worrying about looking good. And I had to embrace getting this message out there because it is such a powerful message. So if you guys have had those doubts, and I think most of us have, if not all of us, please take the 50 minutes today to listen to this interview. I promise it will change your perspective. And if you take action on what we talk about in this interview, it will also change your entire life. So with that, interview coming your way right after this brief intro. Are you ready to break free from your old habits and create a better life for yourself and those around you? If so, welcome to Unshakable Habits, the podcast dedicated to helping men be better husbands, fathers, and leaders by prioritizing their physical and mental well-being. Each week, we'll look at health from a 360-degree perspective with inspiring stories and practical strategies for building unshakable habits that'll transform your life. Join Stephen Box, a board-certified health and wellness coach, and let's change the world together, one habit at a time. Welcome to the Unshakable Habits Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Box, and today I am joined by Fletcher Ellenson. Fletcher, thanks for joining me. Hey, I'm delighted to be here. So, Fletcher, we're going to dive into a little bit about your story and a very unique experiment that you did. First, I want to let people know just a little bit about who you are. So, you're a speaker, you're a coach, and you're also the creator of The Practice of feeling good and yeah I, I think the way you really describe this to me that sets it up beautifully is you help people to kind of like think think differently to really get out of their own way so to speak because so many of us do struggle with this and I think this is such a timely topic you know who knows maybe years or decades from now people will be listening to this interview and 2020 will be a distant memory, but as of right now, we are going into the winter of 2021, and we're like in year 17 of this two-year pandemic, so I, I think people hearing how to feel good is going to be a great topic for everybody. Absolutely. Absolutely. I uh, can't wait to share and dive into the discussion. So real quick, before we do dive into that, I want to as always, remind people of the Unshakable Habits framework. So if you're new to the show, the way the framework is going to help you is going to let you take Fletcher's story and kind of apply it back to your own life. So this isn't a, you know, seven steps that you have to repeat exactly. This is more of a guideline, and that's why it's so flexible. So the first part of that is having a vision. Now, visions are different than goals. 
Not saying that you can't have goals, but goals are outcome-based. Visions are really about who do you want to become as a person? How do you think? How do you talk? How do you act? That's what a vision is about. And then in order to establish that vision, a lot of times we need to develop certain skills because we may not have the skills we need to become that person just yet. And then, of course, in order to develop those skills, you need to take actions or, as Fletcher calls them, practices. And this is because they are something that is repeated over and over and over again. So that is what you want to be on the lookout for today as you hear Fletcher's story. But Fletcher, we're going to maybe dive a little bit into your past later in the show because I usually like to start off where people were in their low point because I find that that's usually where the vision comes from. Well, I want to talk about this very interesting experiment you did first. Yeah, the rejection experiment. Yes, that would be the one, yes. Yes, yeah. So you this know it was well. A, this was a year-long experiment, and I'll just give you a brief history of why I did this. For 15 or 16 years, I was... I had helped build a multi-million dollar business in the tech industry, and it put me in front of audiences all over the country as a speaker. I was traveling around speaking to entrepreneurs and and helping them uh, in a number of things to do with tech, but also mindset. And I had the wonderful opportunity to interact with literally thousands of entrepreneurs on a regular basis. And I became very good at identifying patterns and was just noticing like the same things happening over and over, hearing the same things happening over and over for these entrepreneurs. And I've always been into self-improvement, self-evolution and, you know, reading lots of stuff. And so it was just all, it was a wonderful environment for me to really connect the dots in a, in a bigger way. Um, and then, so I found myself doing a lot of coaching with these clients and, and I really love the, the, the coaching experience. And so I decided, because I've always been involved in coaching in one capacity or another, like having personal coaches. And I finally decided it's something that I want to do full time. And so I took the leap and left that business a number of years ago to do this full time. But the rejection experiment came into play because I really want to play a big game in my life. The game that I'm going to play, it demands a lot of me. It demands me showing up more powerfully than I ever have shown up in my life. To do what I want to do, I have to be another version of myself. And I'm, so I'm constantly evolving. And the one thing that I was noticing that was holding me back was my fear of rejection. Asking, you know, I want to become a master asker. And what I mean by that is I want to be able to make any request of anyone at any time without being stopped by fear. And so I heard about this other guy who did something and it really inspired me. And so I, I'm going to do something very much like that. So I took on, I call it the rejection experiment. And we're a year where I putting myself into ridiculous situations where I would make audacious requests of people that would almost surely result in them rejecting me or saying no. And there, and there were very few rules, but the, one of the rules was I couldn't tell anybody in my personal life, like, Hey, I'm going to go do this experiment. Watch me. It couldn't be like to impress anybody. And the second thing is I couldn't tell the people that I was uh, interacting with. I couldn't tell them this was an experiment either. And the third thing is 
it really had to make me nervous. It had to make me uncomfortable. The ask preferably would be making me sweat and shake. And so, so that's what I did. And those were the rules. And I had no idea what to expect, but I can tell you this, Stephen, it was a game changer for me and I'll never forget it. And I highly recommend it to any entrepreneur who really wants to get beyond their, their fear and step into courage and practice courageous living. So we're going to dive into some of the specific examples of, of things that you did for that, but I want to maybe back up a little bit first. So you, you talked about how you started to realize you had this fear of rejection. And this is something that I think a lot of people can relate to, right? Because yeah. a lot of us, it starts with that inner voice of, I'm not good enough. You know, why would anybody do anything for me? And I know when we had did our pre-interview, you talked a little bit about that with yourself where, you know, a lot of times it was like, well, I didn't want to ask people for stuff because yep. I didn't think they would do it or I didn't think yep. I deserved it or I felt like I was maybe bothering people or yes. or whatever the case was. So talk to us maybe a little bit about where did that fear of rejection, or at least you may not know exactly, but where do you think that might have came from for you? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm assuming it came from my childhood. I'm assuming multiple places. One, it was modeled for me. We don't ask people for, people for help, right? So that was probably modeled for me well, because I've always been taught like, hey, you got to do it all yourself. Asking for help is a sign of weakness. You know, got to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps there and make it happen. So that was, so, you know, really, Stephen, it's a great question because it as just as I'm processing this now, it comes back to my curriculum, the practice of feeling good. So I was not practiced at it. I'm just like, I'm not, I'm not getting this right now. Like I was, I was so practiced at being self-sufficient that I was completely unpracticed at making requests, asking for help. And, and I'm not even saying even big help. I'm just saying help in general. Like if, if it was something that had to be done, my thinking was, I should do it. I should take care of it. Um, and that really, and again, that's exactly what gets in the way of so many entrepreneurs growing their business and doing what they really want to do because they think, oh, I got to do it all myself. Right. Yeah. Now, I love the fact that you, that you gave that reframe there, because I think some people could listen to the initial statement of like, Hey, you know, I wanted to become a master asker. I wanted to go out and, you know, ask audacious things of people. And people could take that and, and read it as, oh, you know, you're you're just trying to get people to do stuff, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that clearly wasn't what you were after. Your goal here was this was about you. Th this was an internal battle that you were fighting to really make yourself have to rely on other people and not try to do everything on your own. Yeah. And the only way you can do that is you have to go out and learn to ask people for help. Exactly. And... <laughs> exactly. And I want, and I wanted to set it up so that they would most likely say no, so that I could confront this fear of rejection. And so I could get like, so desensitized to it in, in, in an effect, right? Like, yeah. like, so if they said no, it was no problem. And that's how I want, that's the point that I wanted to reach. It, something else you said in there that just stood out to me because I actually just did another interview a little bit before sitting down to do this one with you. And something that she commented on, because we were talking about a similar subject. And one of the things she commented on was 
in school, she did really well. And everything you do in school is you. Everything is on you. Looking at someone else's paper is considered cheating. Yet when you get out into business and you get out into the real world, we now call that collaborating. <laughs> and we expect that. people to just naturally know how to do it. Although our entire life, we've been told stop cheating by looking at other people's paper. Yes. Oh, that's so. That's such a great uh, twist on that subject. So, so yeah, I just I had to bring that up because I was like, like I literally just had this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Which, when you have two people that have never met have the same conversation, I think that just validates the idea even more so. So, yeah, really. So, so talk to me about some of the examples of some of the things that you did as part of this. I mean, because I, I want to make sure that people are hearing this. Yes. When you're talking about big things, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going and asking people for some super outrageous thing. You're not going to people going, hey, give me a million dollars, right? Right, right. It's, so it's what's scary to you. Yes, exactly. It's a big, it's a big deal to me. So yeah, I'll give you a couple examples. So one uh, to to those listening is going to sound like it's a very small thing, but it scared the hell out of me. And it was, and I, what I did was I was in a coffee shop, and I decided that I was going to ask somebody, a complete stranger, to have a staring contest with me. Now. What's interesting about this experiment, as soon as I would come up with the, the next rejection experiment, my mind, the chatter in my mind would just like, it was fierce. It was just like activated. And it would, it, and so I remember like thinking about like, okay, I'm going to ask somebody to have a staring contest when they're a complete stranger. And my mind immediately would say this, oh, that's kind of a lame rejection experiment. Can't you think of a better one? That one doesn't sound very exciting or it's not very fearful. So I would have this conversation in my mind and I realized like, wow, that's not even me thinking it. My mind is on autopilot. It's just those thoughts are just coming without my approval, without my permission, you know? And, and so it, my mind almost talked me out of not doing this because of the message I was getting. But then I, th then I caught it. I was like, hold on a second. That's just resistance. And that is totally the thing that's been running me. That's why, that's why I'm doing this whole thing. So. I saw the person, there was only one person in the, in the coffee shop that was sitting down at that, at that moment. So I got my coffee and was heading over to do this. I was going to sit down. I walked over and just before I got to her, I turned my direction just slightly and walked out of the door and out of the restaurant at the coffee shop. I got into my car cause I was, my heart, my heart was pounding and I got into the car. I started driving away, got to the stop sign, and I just stopped. I was like, oh my gosh, I just totally chickened out of doing that. And I was like, this is exactly why. Because all I'm doing is asking for another person if they're willing to stare into my eyes. And, and so I thought, I got to go back and I got to do it. So I drove around the block, parked, and I got out of the car and uh, went back in the coffee shop saw the person, walked over to her, sat down, and I said, hey, do you mind if I interrupt you for a second? And she looked up and said, no, what's up? And I said, hey, I was wondering if you would be willing to have a staring contest with me. And she, and she said what most people do when I ask them these crazy things. They either say what or they will repeat what I said. 
So, you know, she said, what? I said, I was wondering if you'd have a, a staring contest with me. And she thought about it and said, sure, I guess. And so we sat down, we had a staring contest. I said, one, two, three, first person to blink loses. I said, one, two, three, go. And we had the staring contest. And, and I, and then it was over and I felt this sense of massive relief that I didn't die because my, you know, cause all that fear and adrenaline was telling me like, Hey, whatever you're about to do, it seems scary. You're probably going to die. And the good news is the staring contest didn't kill me and she didn't reject me. She actually said yes. I'm sure that she's sitting there thinking like, this has got to be the absolute worst pickup line I've never heard <laughs> in your life. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So so I'm curious, like, did you actually tell her afterwards that there so was an exam? So on that one, she did ask and I, and I explained it. But so the rule is if they ask, I can tell them, I don't volunteer the information and I don't tell them ahead of time because then it would make it too easy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause then they feel almost obligated to do it just because you told them it's an experiment. Yeah. Yeah. But so, so that was, so that was a very, that was a big one to me because it scared me so much because there was something about that intimacy of just sitting down and staring into a person's eyes. Right. It's like, cause it breaks all sort of community boundaries that we have. Like, Hey, you don't stare at people in the eye for too long. Right. Yeah. If you lock eyes with somebody usually for a second and then you, and then you stop looking at them. So there was, it was, I was breaking some sort of boundary. And so that, and therefore I was so uncomfortable. And I'll give you just one more example too, because before you do that, I want to just point out something that yeah. it was interesting too, is you mentioned how your initial thought when you thought up this idea was, well, that's stupid. That's lame. That's not even scary. Yes. Yet it was so scary. In fact, yes. you got in the car and drove off. <laughs> yes. That was my mind trying to trick me. Right. I mean, yeah. it, it knows me so well. Like it was like, oh, if we just start saying all this chatter, it'll will fool Fletcher and he'll give up, right? Yeah. It's like, eh, that sounds dangerous. Let's not do that, Fletcher. Cause yes. Yeah. 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 I think I think people may or may not know this, but our brains basically sense any level of discomfort or fear on the same level as a big event. So it yes. doesn't matter if it's something as small as asking somebody to have a steering contest with you. Or if it's being chased by a shark in the ocean, your yes. brain thinks of it the same way and your body reacts the same way. And for you, you your fight or flight response kicked in and it was flight. And it was flight. And I, and I fled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fletcher. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah, it's so interesting. So that's what the whole, that's what I'm trying to, to, to rewire my nervous system. I'm trying to rewire I'm not trying, I am. I'm rewiring my nervous system and my thinking in order to produce radical results in my life that I didn't have, have access to producing previously. Yeah. And I'll give you another example because that was, a, that was like a, a big one, but a small on a small scale, right? And so I'll give you another example. My wife and I were flying down to Mazatlan for vacation and we were going to go down there to this nice resort and for a week and just have a lot of fun, just chilling out. On the and on the plane, I real and I I knew it. Well, I'm going to have to do some rejection experiments even while I'm down there in Mexico. I'm not taking I'm not taking time off from that because I'm really creating momentum. So on the plane, I was like, well, what could I do down there at this resort? And so on the plane, I I I decided that when we get there, I'm going to find the manager who 
is in charge of selling timeshares to to the tourists at this place. And so, I, and I said, I'm going to see, I'm going to make the request and see if they will let me come in and be a guest speaker to their, to their agents who sell timeshares. Now, why would they do this? They don't know me from Adam. You know, I, I, am, I don't speak Spanish and I don't know how many agents they have. I don't know when their meeting is, but I was going to go make a request. So I went and asked who the manager was, found Mario. I said, hey, Mario, could I have 10 minutes of your time? I want to talk to you about something. If it goes beyond 10 minutes, you know, it's on you. But I just take up 10 minutes, no more. He said, sure. So anyways, I told him what I do. And I, I said, I would love to come and speak with your agents and have a fun day of, of kind of doing some mindset work. And 10 minutes stretched into 15, 20, 25. And just before the half hour is up, he said, you know what? I would love to have you come on Wednesday morning and speak to my agents. And in fact, not only do I want to be here, I'm going to make it mandatory for all 50 of them to show up. And I was like, wow, that's cool. So Wednesday morning came, uh, my wife and I went there. We had just a fun time of, of conversation with all these people. And I led them through some cool exercises. I performed some magic for them because I'm a longtime magician. And we just had a wonderful time. And during the rest of the stay, I'd see those people around the resort. We'd high five. And then they found out that my wife um, is a family physician. And we we hold these seminars for health, creating health in your life. And they said, is there any chance that Amy would want to come one morning and just talk about the benefits of, of healthy eating, healthy living? Because he wanted his agents to be in, you know, in really uh, condition and he wanted them to have this information. So we ended up going back and she ended up doing about a half hour presentation to the agents as well. And this was all because I was willing to get uncomfortable. So this was all, this all happened. This incredible opportunity happened because I was willing to make an audacious request that I thought was a for sure no, like they were not going to say yes to this. But it enriched our trip, and we made a lot of great connections. So something that kind of comes to mind as I'm listening to you tell these stories is, well, two things that come to mind. So one, where do you come up with these ideas? <laughs> you know, like I, don't even, I don't even know if I would have thought of doing that. Yeah, that's a great question. I actually, I, I just started brainstorming a list of, in my journal, and, and the criteria was just like, does it seem ridiculous? Does it make me uncomfortable to think about doing it? And if it met those two things, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll add it. You know, one of the, one of the fun ones was I asked a bank, which is a, they, you know, sometimes you're driving through town and you'll see on the side of old buildings, these, the yellow fallout shelter signs, you know, for, for nuclear war, there's all sorts of them in big cities. And I always saw them and we had one in our town. And so one of my rejection experiments, it actually was the very first one. I said, it's in this bank. And I thought, I wonder if there really is a fallout shelter down there. And yeah, you, you go into a bank and you know, you never, you can't, there's no public bathrooms because everything's off limits. You, you can't go back into the sacred area of the bank, right? Yeah. And I went up there and I said, hey, can we help you? And I was like, well, I don't have anything business to conduct you today, but I'd just like to know if I could get a tour of the fallout shelter. And the teller was like, what? And it's like, I just want, yeah, I noticed there's a fallout shelter sign on the, on this building. Is there a fallout shelter below us? And if so, 
could I take a tour? And she started laughing. She said, oh my gosh, no one has ever asked that before. And so she went over to the manager's desk and I saw them talking. The manager started laughing and the manager came over and said, do you want to go see the fallout shelter? And I said, yeah, if, if there is one. And she said, well, come back after lunch because I got a meeting and then I'll be happy to take you down there. So I went, <laughs> went back after lunch and I got a tour of the fallout shelter, which was totally legit. Stephen, they even took, they even had a box and they let me open it. They were two brand new yellow, bright yellow Geiger counters from the 50s. They were still down there. They'd never been used. And I got it. And they, I said, can I have a picture of myself with these things? So I got it, took a picture of them. And it was just so such a cool thing to see, like how it was set up. You know, they've repurposed for some of it for storage, but some of they still had beds down there. They had boxes of unopened stuff and the Geiger counters. So yeah. it just, yeah, it was a really fun experience. So one thing I, that I, I want to ask you is when you're doing these things. Yeah. Like, I think people might hear some of these and might be like, okay, this, you know, cool stories, right? But what's really the purpose? Yeah. And and I kind of have an idea because I know from a health perspective, I know when people start eating better, I know when they start exercising, when they start developing those healthy habits, I know what that turns into. And I also know when people start changing the way they view money, how that can help their finances and the way they, they change the way they view their relationship, that can help improve their relationship. Yes. But one thing that, that you've said is, by doing this, it's actually kind of helped you in different areas and what you are able to coach other people on helps them improve all these different areas too. So yes. kind of help people to under, put that connection together. Let me get you a, a very tangible example of one of my clients. One of my clients was a real estate agent or is a real estate agent and she was stopped by fear. She was stopped by fear of rejection. There was, an, there was a potential client that she wanted to have as a client he wasn't a client yet, but she knew this person in the community and she wanted to do business with him. And, but it was stopped by fear. Like, I don't want to cold call him and just ask if he wants to list his house. And so we had an hour conversation about this thing called fear and this other thing called courage and, and re-envisioning what is possible instead of just focusing on the story of her fear. And after that hour long conversation, she hung up the phone. She'd made a commitment. She was going to call that person right after she hung up the phone. She checked back in with me, you know, about an hour later, said, I called him. I have a meeting with him. So she got this meeting. Long story short, that meeting ended up being a listing for her. When she sold that listing, after the commission was split, her side of it was $35,000. So that ability to re-envision what was possible for her and walk through that fear netted her $35,000, right? So for me, the value is getting past this fear of rejection is allowing me to do the, to do the things that I need to do to grow my business and not just make money, but to make an impact because who I am in this world is a clearing for people to feel safe, heard, and empowered. And if I want to live into that vision, you know, fully, I have to be able to put myself in uncomfortable positions and ask people hard questions 
and take chances and risks so that I can make the biggest impact that I can make. Yeah, it's it's difficult to have an impact if you're constantly making yourself smaller than you are. Absolutely. And Stephen, you just nailed it right there. Because I've been a confident person for most of my life. I play some big games, but the vision that I have in my head demands that I evolve to that next stage of who I am. I can't get the result that I want where I am right now. Now it, I'm, I'm a work in progress, right? Yeah. But this is part of the work is becoming desensitized to the fear story and instead practicing courage, practicing re-envisioning what's possible and having it so inspiring that it, that it pulls me, draws me into action. So one thing I want to ask you real quick here is I don't want to give people the impression just everything is is perfect with this. Like you just like you go out, come up with an idea, you go out and then everybody just says yes to you. Right. So can you give me an example of a time where somebody said no? Yeah, absolutely. I asked a, a person in a coffee shop again if if I could change the ringer on his phone. I said, hey, and, and you can change the ringer on my phone. He didn't. He was just like flat out. Nope, not interested. And when I asked him why, uh, he said, this is probably, he says, I don't want to get punked or whatever that he called it. I don't want to get, I don't like practical jokes being pulled on me. And I was like, okay, great. Got it. So it's not like I need to debate or be right or, you know, it's like, oh, got it. Okay, cool. Or the, uh, one of the ones that really frightened me was when I went into a, a mortuary and asked if I could test drive the coffins. Like, so if I, I if I could lay down in them and test drive them, so to speak. And the, the guy was like, no, absolutely not. Yeah. So, so I was like, okay, got it. No, no problem. Yeah. Right. So there, so there's been an, an actually, oh, there, yeah, I had somebody deliver a piece of furniture and or come in to take measurements for furniture. I can't remember exactly now, but after she was done, I said, oh, hey, would you mind measuring me on my wall? We have a wall here in my bedroom on the door frame where we've measured all our kids and stuff. I said, hey, would you mind just measuring me real quick? And real, I mean, she was like, no. And I get it. Like, why? I'm here's a strange man asking her to do something weird in in her bedroom. Like, I totally get it. But I'm do, but I'm pushing myself, yeah, to become because I also get that they're not rejecting me; they're rejecting my offer, right? And and if you're in sales, if we're, if you're an entrepreneur. We've got to get past this thing like, oh, they're not rejecting you. They're simply rejecting the offer that you're extending. And it has nothing to do with you. I'm glad that you actually brought that up because my follow-up question was going to be, do you have something that was like big enough that you got the initial no, but that you then maybe tweaked and went back and redid it later on? Yeah, I had a couple of those. None were really impressive that I want to take the time to share. But I would say that I also have a television show. Uh, my wife and I have a television show we film once a week. It's a regional show and goes out to like, I think it goes into, they have a reach of about like 50,000 people or something. So it's a small show, which, but it's a, we, we live in a small area. So, but I wanted to have a television show. So I did, this was, I treated it just like the rejection experiment. I said, okay, this is my rejection experiment today. I'm going to go, I, I'm going to call up the people at first, I couldn't get a hold of them. And finally, I got a hold of them. And they said, sure, come on in. And we had a sit down. 
And their, their immediate answer was not yes or no. It was, let's think about this. And now, so that put me in the position of following up, right? And I really didn't think they were going to say yes. But turns out, after it took them about six weeks, and finally they said, hey, we want to give this a shot. So come down, we'll, we'll film a few episodes, and we'll see how it goes. And my wife and I, we just finished our, past our 100th episode a couple months ago. So that would have never happened had I not, and, I, and frankly, Stephen, I don't know that I would have made that ask if I hadn't have done all these other rejection experiments. I, I may not have been ready to do that. So first of all, congratulations on the hundredth episode. It's a Thanks. big accomplishment. Yeah, but you're you're right. It's and I think that's kind of gets to the core of of the idea here, right? Is that it's not about the size of the rejection. It's not about the rejection itself. What you choose to do is kind of irrelevant. Yeah. What it is is a matter of building that repetition because yes. over time your confidence grows. Yes. You start to feel better. And now, not only are you going to be willing to make a bigger ask that might get turned down, but you start to take more chances. Yes. You start to open yourself up to more possibilities. You start living with less fear. Yes, absolutely. And I'm, I'm going to give you this one more that was really recent when my wife and I were renting a, a car down in California and they didn't have us the small version that we wanted. We just wanted something small. They didn't have it. They were out. They were going to upgrade us to inter intermediate or full size. And we just said, well, how about a, how about a convertible? Would you, would you consider upgrading us to a convertible for the same price? And the guy stopped and he's like, I don't think we can do that. And then he stopped again and he said, well, let me check. And then he typed something on his computer. He said, actually, we've got a convertible out in the back lot. What the heck? We'll do it. Same price. Now, I wasn't trying to take advantage of, of, of this situation, but what I'm realizing is if you ask, if, if you don't ask, you'll never get the yes, right? And, 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 that's, the, and that's the cool takeaway. And, and it's not about taking advantage of people. It's just like, like what else is possible if we, if we ask, yeah. right? Yeah, after we talked, when we did our pre-interview stuff, I actually started making a list of people that I would like to interview. I love it. And not just like normal everyday people, because here's the funny thing. This is what I always tell people. To me, interviewing strangers is the easiest thing in the world because I'm just having a conversation with somebody that I'm just meeting and it's fun and it's exciting. For me, this is the easiest thing in the world. For other people, this would be the absolute scariest thing in the entire world. <laughs> but for me to sit down and interview people that I already know, or for me to sit down and interview people that I look up to in one way or another, mm -hmm. that's scary because now all of a sudden I feel like this pressure of like, oh, what if this person actually came on and I got to actually, you know, do a good job. Not, not that I'm like going to do a bad job with strangers, but it just, I feel now more pressure to do so. Yes. And so I was like, you know, I'm going to start making a list of like friends, mentors, celebrities, different people that I want to actually bring on. They haven't volunteered already to do this and just ask them to do this. I love it. So um, I haven't got, I haven't got any yeses out of my list yet. I, I've started working through it. I've done about three or four. I haven't got any yeses yet. 
But what I'm doing is every time that I'm getting either no response or I'm getting a no, I'm like, okay, what can I do a little bit differently? I'm using the outcome-based decision-making, and I'm like, okay, how could I tweak this a little bit? How yeah. can I maybe follow back up with this person, or how could I apply this to the next person and, and maybe see if I can actually make this work? And, Way to go. Yeah, so, see, so, so yeah, I just I wanted to share that with you because, you know, that's what I did after our last conversation, so. That's so cool. That's really inspiring. And I didn't tell you about this beforehand, so. Great. <laughs> Catching you on guard with it. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Very inspiring. So one thing that, that I love about this idea that, that you've kind of put out here of this rejection experiment is that you could apply this in other ways. So for you, your fear was about rejection. Yes. Other people may have other fears, but you've also been able to take some of those other fears and wrap them into this rejection experiment. Because it's not just about the possibility of someone saying yes or no. It's about the fear that somebody might think that you're a weirdo. Yes. It's about, you know, that fear of like you use the, the designer as a, as an example, that might be a situation where it might make someone else uncomfortable. Yes. And now you've got to kind of deal with the internal discomfort of knowing you might make someone uncomfortable. Yes, yes, yes. So you're, you're, you're getting to the different layers of this experiment, yep. right? And that, and that was part of the chatter in my head, like, oh, Fletcher, don't make that request because that, that might make the other person feel uncomfortable, right? Yeah. And again, that was, that was the very clever automatic thinking of my mind to prevent me, to, to get me to stay the same, to keep me the status quo, right? So yeah. you don't need to grow that much, Fletcher. Just calm down a little bit. You're, yeah. everything's fine, right? Yeah, really good. Yeah, and you know it's interesting. I have a friend of mine who is also a speaker. He was doing a, a speech one day in our Toastmasters club that we were a part of together, and he said, "You know, it's funny because the human species is the only species on the planet Earth that limits our growth. It's like trees don't stop growing. They don't go. I'm tall enough, right?" <laughs> You know, cheetahs don't say I'm fast enough. I, you know, I, I don't need to go hunt today. You know, I, there'll be food tomorrow. It'll be fine. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right. We're, we're the, we're the only species that limits our ability to grow and to maximize our potential. It's such a, that's such a great point. And again, it's, and so there's, and so what, what I always tell my clients too, it's like, it's not good, bad, right, or wrong if you stay and stay where you're at. If you don't grow, it's not good, bad, right, or wrong. The question is always, does it serve my life? Yeah. Right. And for me, I have an idea of what I want to do and the game that I want to play and at what level. And I simply have to become somebody different than I am today in order to hit that and make that impact. So I want to kind of back up really quick yeah. and talk about the moment before all this started, because I know you said you kind of had that moment of reflection where you realized, Hey, I have this fear of rejection that I need to overcome. What was that event that really helped you have that realization? It, it really was all around leaving a very comfortable and very well-known career. You know, the, the game I was playing back then, I could do it in my sleep. And I was bored with it. 
it wasn't serving my life in the way that it had originally. And I, and it, I didn't feel like I was, it, it was not in alignment with the vision that I had for my life. Let's say it that way, that the money was good, but it wasn't in alignment. It wasn't going to allow me to make the impact that I really wanted to make. And, and really Stephen, I just, I want to uplift others. And I don't mean that from like, oh, look at me. I just, I mean, I really do want to help people live into the vision that they have or, or discover a vision for themselves because so many people don't have a vision, you know, and when they do like, it's really exciting. And, and, and the only reason I'm at this point in my life is because I've been blessed with so many mentors in my life. Right. I mean, I got into personal development early, but you know, I mean, all the, all these people that I studied with over the years, I mean, I wouldn't be who I was. I wouldn't have that knowledge if it weren't for people being willing to share and make a difference for others. And I, and I just want to pass that on and continue that. Yeah. I tell people all the time, you know, you have to seek out other people if you want to do anything, because it, it can be so tempting to want to do it on our own. And in our heads, we think we can do it on our own, right? Yes. But a lot of times, it's as you've pointed out today, it's not necessarily that we think we can do it on our own. That's our brains trying to keep us from going out and asking for help. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. You know, unfortunately, my wife is, she's just like such an amazing supporter. I mean, the you know, I've, always, I've had coaches and stuff, like I said, for a lot of my life, but a number of years ago, she wanted me to sign up for this particular program. I was like, babe, that's $25,000. I've never, ever spent that much money on a coaching program. And I don't feel comfortable with it. And she's like, babe, I want you to do this. I want you to invest in yourself at this level. Because when you invest in yourself at this, at this level, you're going to show up differently. And... I'm telling you, I, I was so resistant. I was so fearful about that. I was so fearful about writing that big check, but man, did it serve me the next year. It was still hard to write that check. The third year, it was no problem. I was the first one to sign up because the value that I was getting and the revenue that I was generating and the people that I was connecting with was so worth it. And so that was just like me, I'd begun evolving at that next level, right? Not that the next level is better than the other one, just different. And it's in alignment with what I want to create. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the idea of better, I think is an interesting one because again, it goes back to just like we we're talking about with these experiments you were doing is not necessarily what's scary to everybody is what right. was scary to Fletcher. Yes. And better. Yes. You know what? Your next level should be better. But it only needs to be better by your standards. Exactly. Yeah. It doesn't need to meet anyone else's standards. It doesn't have to, you know, get anyone else's stamp of approval as long as it works for you. Yeah. I really appreciate you articulating that. Yeah. Again, it's, it's, we're not competing with anyone. We're just, how can I become the best version of myself? Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, and, and I think when we take outcomes out of the equation sometimes, that's when amazing things start to happen because when we get caught up on, oh, I got, I got rejected, you know, and we start to focus on, Hey, my job was to go make the ask. I was successful. I made the ask. 
success. The outcome doesn't define my success. Absolutely. Because that's where judgment comes in. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Oh gosh. Oh boy. We're getting into some good stuff <laughs> right, right at the end of the show here. It's some, this is such a good concept. Let me, I just want to address yeah, one absolutely. thing and that's this idea of success. A lot of, a lot of people confuse success with achievement. Mm-hmm. And I, I simply want to assert that, or, or I'll, I'll share how I define success. I define success. I'm successful when I, number one, know who I am, know the outcome that I want and, and take action that's in alignment with the outcome. That's success. If I'm doing that, I'm successful. Now it doesn't have, you'll notice my definition has nothing to do with the achievement, right? right? Achievement is completely different. But if I know who I am, if I know the outcome that I want and I'm taking consistent action to get there, man, that's successful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it really is all about the steps. Yeah. The, the success, the achievement part of it is did you take action? Yes. No. <laughs> that's right. the achievement. If you did not, if you didn't take the action, that's failure. If you took the action, that's success. Yeah. The outcome of the action is not what's important. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and, and I think that's such a, a powerful thing for people to hear because so many people, they beat themselves up when all the woulds and the coulds and the shoulds yep. don't come true. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of, the, one of the things that my clients say to me, you know, without fail is I know what I already know what I should be doing. I just don't know why I won't do what I know I, I should be doing. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's the, that critical piece in there. And that's what we, and that's why I did the rejection experiment. Right. Cause that yeah. was allowing me to get past that thing that had been stopping me so much. Now, do I still get stopped at times? Absolutely. But I get stopped way less than I did. Or if I get stopped, it's not for as long. Right. So, yeah. 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 And, and I think that's a good point there because I'm sure that you're at a point now where you've done this enough that when you get stopped, you now have that self reflection ability to go, why is this thing scaring me so much? Why is this thing in my way? And then it's a realization of, you know what? I need to overcome this. And now we go right back to the framework, right? What's yeah. my vision? For, why do I need to get past this? Why is it important for me to actually do this thing? Where's the vision at in it? Okay, what skills do I need to now develop to actually get past this thing? Yes. What are those practices? Those are such good critical questions. And and that's exactly what, it, that those empower people. Those kinds of questions empower people. And I, what I love about it, there's no judgment in there. Right? There's no self-criticism. There's just helpful questions that lead to empowering answers. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, the one thing that I hope, and I'm going to ask you to kind of give people your parting thoughts here in a few minutes too, but one thing that I really hope that people take out of today is you don't need a huge why. You don't need this like, you know, just ground-shaking, earth-shattering reason for doing stuff. You don't have to go out and build a room in a day. It's okay. Start where you are. Yeah. Find the first block. Find a reason why it's important to you to get over that hurdle and start taking small steps towards it. Yep, I like it. 
we are we are aligned in our thinking there. So real quickly, if you would tell people how to get a hold of you if they want to learn a little bit more about you or work with you. Yeah, you bet. You can go to FletcherEllingson.com. And while you're there at FletcherEllingson.com, you can take the happiness uh, quiz or, or sign up for my free online video course. It's totally free. It's good stuff. This is not fluff. This is, this is actual stuff that I use in my, in my year long curriculum, sign up and get the, the free video course. Uh, or if you have, or, or if you have any questions or want to hop on a discovery call again, Jordan FletcherEllingson.com, contact me. would love to have a discovery call and see if we're a good fit. And yeah, so there you go. And and, may, and maybe they can set up a call and ask you to do something crazy, right? That's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> so so tell everyone your closing thing here. Like, what is it if if you just were like pushed to give us like one minute yeah. of like what we need to go home with today? What is it? Yeah. So thank you for asking that. The thing that I would love for people to take away is this. Most of, most of us human beings are extremely practiced at noticing what isn't working well, what doesn't feel good. We're practiced at seeing other people not being their best. We're practiced at criticizing. We're practiced at fear. We're practiced at, at not trusting that life is working out. And what I want to encourage you to do is begin practicing seeing where life actually is working out. Begin practicing seeing kindness. Begin practicing noticing compassion. Begin practicing being compassion. Begin practicing being resourceful, capable, flexible. Begin practicing kindness. Bring an intention to these ways of being and your life will change dramatically. Love it, man. Love it. Appreciate you being here today. And I have to say, man, you absolutely brought the value today. So I appreciate you sharing your story and bringing that value to, to my audience today. Thanks, Stephen. Thank you for listening to the Unshakable Habits Podcast with Coach Stephen Box. Be sure to hit the subscribe button and help us spread the word by sharing the podcast with other men. If you're ready to create unshakable habits, you can learn more and connect with us at unshakablehabits.com.